0: We do uh, want to thank you, want to thank Pastor and the leadership team here for the support of Battlefield Ministries. Uh, The last time I came here to minister was back in December. Some of you may remember that. It was before Christmas. You had some pretty lights hanging everywhere. It was very, very nicely decorated. And uh, what a wonderful spirit of worship in this place today. So thank you, worship team, and thank you, leadership team, um, for Creating an environment where we can come into the presence of the Lord so freely. Don't take it for granted, folks. Be appreciative of the opportunities that we have to come into the house of the Lord. And thank you for your support of Battlefield Ministries. It enables us, well, primarily my husband. I'm just the sub for the sub today. Peter had to minister elsewhere. Um, It enables us to do some things and be involved in missions in a very tangible way and in helping hurting pastors. And so one of the ministries that's really on our heart is that we would be able to come alongside pastors and bring them help and encouragement in their time of need, as well, of course, as many missions projects that Peter is involved in at this time. So thank you, and God bless you for that. Continue to support your pastors. Pray for them. Encourage them. Speak words of encouragement. Be an encourager. And you know, sometimes it just takes a word or two that can make such a difference in someone's life. I'm sure you've experienced that in your own life as well. Well, today, Father, we're asking that you would take your word and you would multiply it to our hearts and to our spirits, and it would bring you glory. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Wow, okay. Well, you know, there are some people in life that are just naturally optimistic, aren't they? My father-in-law, God rest his soul, he passed away about five years ago now. He was an optimist. And um, he saw the glass half full, definitely not half empty. You ask him how he was? He was 110%. 110%. Nevertheless, even in the last six months of his life when he was feeling and uh, he knew his his end was near, he said, I'm going out to the hallelujah chorus. So sees the glass half full. Well, some people are naturally gifted that way. There were these two friends, and they were always trying to outdo one another. One of them was a born pessimist. He just couldn't see good in anything. He could find the glass half empty for sure. Well, finally, one of them, uh, the other one, trained his dog to be able to walk on water. Now, you know, this is a true story, of course, now that I've given that away. Um, And he couldn't wait until he could show this off to his friend and see what his response would be and what he was going to say. And so finally the day came, and they got out to the fishing hole, got out to the pond, and uh, he gave his dog the command, and his dog walked across the pond. And uh, he's waiting, looking at the surprised look on his friend's face, waiting for his reaction. Surely he's got something good to say about this. His friend finally looks at him and says, Your dog can't swim, huh? There's just some folks like that. I'm sorry. Today we're talking about storms. Storms come to all of us in life. Storms of a variety of kinds. The, one of the first severe storms that I can remember, I was a girl of 15 years of age. I grew up in New Brunswick, Canada, on the East Coast, and that's up borders on the state of Maine. And um, when I was 15, we had the end of a hurricane, tail end. They come up and hit the Maritimes sometimes. And um, it was a strong wind that came through, and one of my older brothers had fixed a, a home, a mobile home on part of the farm property, and his wife and first child were living there at the time. And this storm came through, and it dislodged the home, and they got out safely, and then a little bit later, it brought it up and collapsed it. And I'll never forget that day for that reason, of course, but also for the fact that it was the only day in going to school on the school bus every day for 12 years that the bus ever brought us all the way into where my home was because we lived on a farm and we had to walk out the road and then up the hill to catch the school bus. But that day it brought us in for our safety. Interesting storm. Another storm that I'll always remember was we were pastoring in central Florida, Florida's first assembly of God, literally the first assembly of God in Florida. And Hurricane Charlie came to visit on August 13th. It was Friday the 13th, 2004. We had friends, uh, pastor friends who come from the Tampa area into where we lived to evacuate as that area was, you know, being called in danger of being hit by the storm. Charlie moved quickly. He wasn't very big, but he came fast. And uh, shortly after our friends got uh, over to our home and got settled in, they brought their two children and their great aunt, and she was under the stairwell with a candle in her hand, and um, I can remember that, the weather report changed, and we became in the direct line of Hurricane Charlie. So they had evacuated to the direct line. And their young son, John Mark, he high-fives his dad, and he says, way to go, Dad, because he wanted to be in a hurricane. He didn't want to evacuate. He wanted to see what that was like. Well, he got to find out that day what that was like. Well, it wasn't a great day for us because our home was okay, but our church, which had just been newly renovated, was basically destroyed because once the roof is off and no one can get up there to do anything, because when a hurricane comes through like that, You can't even drive up the street for a while. The electric lines are down in it, power lines and trees are all over the roads. People are off-roading with certain vehicles to try to get around to check on loved ones. No street lights, no gasoline at the gas stations. So you get some generators and you drive out of town every day and fill up some gas jugs once you can get back on the roads to try to keep things going. But storms of all kinds come to us. Don't be surprised when storms happen. They're part of life. You're going to be really devastated if you expect that because we're serving God, there will never be a storm in your life. That's not the case. So I want to look today at a scripture from Acts 27, looking at a storm when Paul sails from Rome, for Rome, and uh, something that happened there, and then we'll take some lessons from that. Acts 27, starting at verse 13. When a gentle south wind began to blow, they saw their opportunity, so they weighed anchor and sailed along to the shore of Crete. Before long, a wind of hurricane force called the Nor'easter swept down from the island. The ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind, so we gave way to it and were driven along. Say, driven along. along. As we passed to the lee of a small island called Kata, we were hardly able to make the lifeboat secure. So the men hoisted it aboard. Then they passed ropes under the ship itself to hold it together. Because they were afraid they would run aground on the sandbars of Sirtis, they lowered the sea anchor and let the ship be driven along. Say, driven along. along. We took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. Not a good situation, is it, folks? On the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. A worse situation. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. So we have a storm. It's been raging for days. After they had gone a long time without food, they threw it overboard, remember? Paul stood up before them and said, Man, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. What do you think? Maybe. huh? <laughs> then you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss. But now, say but now. but now, I urge you to keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost, only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood by me and said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as He told me. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. Amen. Well, God bless His word today. There's a few lessons we want to learn from a storm today. In a storm, it's very important, it's imperative that we steer by the Spirit of God and by His Word and what He's spoken to us and not by our senses or our emotions. You know, we live in a society that's ever-increasing that we live by our senses and what feels good to me. If that doesn't feel good to me, then I don't do it. If it feels good, do it. When we ignore God's warnings, as happened in this story, we will always suffer loss. Some people say, well, is the word of God relevant? Come on. This is 2021. If you want to know what God thinks of sin, look to the cross. It put his only son there, and he hasn't changed his mind about it because, you see, God understands that sin will only hurt us. It will only cause us to suffer loss. Sin is simply disobedience to God, any kind of disobedience to God. God's limits are always loving and logical. I don't know if somebody needs to hear this. God's limits are always loving and logical, just like a parent to a small child. If you see a two-year-old coming along, they're pulling down on the the cord of an iron. Do we iron anymore? Does anybody even know what an iron is? Do we iron? Okay, good, good, good. Okay, illustration will work then. What are you going to do? You're going to run quickly and you're going to grab that iron away, or you're going to remove the child from the danger. You don't want that child pulling a, an, you know, having an iron scar on his face. Why? Why would you do that? Why, why, if it feels good to the child, why wouldn't you just let it pull the iron down on his face? You see, that's what we do to God. We say, God, but it feels good to me, and we're pulling irons down on our face. We're running into traffic, and God is saying, hold it, stop, stop, because my limits are loving and logical, they make sense, and they're because I love you so much, the same way a, a good parent or a good sibling or a good human would want to help a child from pulling an iron down on his face. God's warnings will always uh, be helpful to us if they're heated. So in this scripture, we see that they were being, the ship was being driven along. And sometimes we allow ourselves to be driven along by our emotions. And I think the older I get, the more I see this, see this is how we live in society. Everything is just out there on Facebook, the way everybody feels about everything. You can hold it in. You don't have to say every thought that enters your mind. And you certainly don't have to put it on a public forum. Many of us are driven along by worry, fear, rejection, anxiety, playing out scenarios, driven along by spirit of fear. The Bible says the enemy is like a roaring lion seeking whom he can devour. Has anyone ever been hurt by the roar of a lion? We can't be. The lion's roar doesn't hurt us. You see, The enemy is likened to, I like to use this illustration. When you go to the zoo and you see a lion, he's behind a cage. There's bars between you. You dare to get close to that lion. If you were out in the jungle, you probably wouldn't get quite as close. If you were smart. (laughs) Why? Because there's protection between you and the lion. There's bars there. And you get to see him up close and as personable as you like. Those bars represent the blood of Jesus. You see, the enemy comes along and he roars. But he cannot devour us because we have the blood of Jesus as our protection. The enemy only has as much authority in our lives as we give him. Don't forget that. Do you know what fear's desire is? The ultimate goal of fear is that the storm would continue to rage and we would give up all hope of being saved. But I want you to know today that as the people of God, we don't go through storms in the same way as the world does because we have a different perspective, and we don't give up hope on it. Many people go from despair into depression, giving up all hope. Depression is a sense of hopelessness and helplessness. It may feel like... Uh, Things are never going to be any different than they are right now. If this is all there is, wow, I don't know that I can go on. Lost hope. The Bible talks a lot about hope. Hope is a very important element to us as humans. Now, verse 21, Paul said, You should have taken my advice and not sailed from Crete and spared this damage and loss. Now, as I said before, this is many people's favorite verse in the Bible. I told you so. How many of you know people that quote that, have quoted that to you in the past? I told you so. I told you you should have listened to me. Some people quote it and they don't even know they're quoting it. Paul says, you should have taken my advice. But I'm excited about the next part of that verse. He goes on to say, but now. Can you say, but now? But now, even now, but now, you know, it's one thing for us to believe that God will help us and take us out of a storm. If we, he sent us into it or if it was beyond our control, it was out of our control, it was, it was circumstances we had nothing to do with. Like this pandemic, I mean, we didn't cause it. So surely God's going to help us through it and move us forward and take us out of it. But what if I created this storm? What if my poor judgments, my poor decisions, my mistakes or someone close to me created this storm? What if what if then what if we made decisions that were wrong? Will God do it now? Will he help us now? I got myself into this mess. Doesn't the word is God say God helps those who help themselves? No. <laughs> we're living in fear. And many times it's based in regret and even shame. But this scripture says, but now, even now, even now. Some of you today, we need to lose the shame mentality, the fear that's based in wrong decisions we've made in the past and receive the word of the Lord today that says, but now. We live in the now. Verse 20. There were no sun and no stars for many days. This was one bad storm. On the third day, I can't change what I did or didn't do, the mistakes I've made. There may be no, I may have gone through a time where I can't see a way out of this. I can't see the sun. I can't see the stars. I have no hope for the future. But God is the God of the now. He is the great I am, not the I was, Or the I will be. He is the I am. He is with us in the present. He's the God of the now. Hmm. That's good news today. Paul says, you should have listened to me, but now I urge you to keep up your courage. Keep it up. Keep it up. Not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. An angel of God to whom I belong. You see, he knew whom he belonged to he stood by me and he said, don't be afraid. Wow. Here's, I just, just saw an angel last night, came over. He said, uh, yeah, don't be afraid. He's like, the ship's going down, but not one of the crew will be lost. So tell him. Oh, okay, cool. You know, this is the, Paul, the apostle Paul who was knocked off a horse, remember, by a bright light. He changed his name from Saul to Paul. So, I guess he's getting used to this by now. Courage. He says, tell them to keep up their courage. Keep up your courage. Keep up your courage. What is courage? It's the ability to do something that frightens me. (laughs) The ability to do something that frightens me. Anybody ever been there? You had to take courage and stand up and do that thing that frightened you. Joyce Meyer says, do it afraid. Just go ahead, do it afraid. God is calling some of you to receive the word of the Lord today, the word Pastor brought. And when you receive that word, you're going to need courage to take steps of obedience to follow whatever God is speaking to you to do, whatever that new thing you're perceiving is. I, I hope it doesn't mean more people will be leaving your church, Pastor, but. You never know. It could. It could, and you will rejoice with them, I'm sure, as you have now. Courage is strength in the face of pain or grief. Courage is not always a roar, a loud sermon, or a bold prayer. Sometimes it's the quiet voice at the end of the day that says, I'll keep going tomorrow. That's keeping up our courage. Uh, Several years back when we... Moved here to this part of the country, um, we had previously we'd, to that we've been pastoring in the state of Indiana. And when we moved here, I was asking the Lord for a job in line with my giftings. And when you're trained in ministry and you're not pastoring a church, there's not a whole lot of other things out there. You know what I'm saying? Substitute teacher, I've been the sub. I've done that in a variety of places and situations. Did that for the first year after we came here. I worked at a resort at Raystown Lake because we lived down in Martinsburg. Uh, One summer, that was a trip. Yeah, never did anything like that before. It was interesting. And then that came to an end in the fall, and I went back to subbing for just a few weeks, and I was offered the position to be a hospice chaplain. I was like, well, okay, Lord, that's ministry. (laughs) But a hospice chaplain? I could maybe be a chaplain to somebody else. And the Lord just continued to work on my heart and speak to me, do it afraid. So keep up your courage. Do it afraid. So for several years now, I've been working as a hospice chaplain, and sometimes I can't even believe those words are coming out of my mouth. But um, some wonderful opportunities to minister to families and to people and to bring courage, to encourage them in their most difficult times that they are going through in life angel, an angel of the Lord came. And when he came, he caused the focus to switch from the storm to the future. After getting through the storm, you will get through the storm and God will help you through the storm. He said, I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, this ship's going down. So how do you keep your faith in the face of losses of many kinds? And there's many, there are many kinds of losses and grief and reasons to grieve today, not just related to the loss of a loved one or the passing of a loved one or a friend, but we have grief- reasons to grieve over many kinds of losses. Losing our friends because we move away or they move away can be a difficult time. It can be a season of loss. People lose jobs, you know, throughout this last year, throughout this pandemic pandemic. Um, Our son-in-law lost his job right as shortly after the pandemic started. And he and our daughter had just moved to that community, a big move, to work there. He was there less than a year and because of the uh, situation lost his job. And so they've struggled there in a place, in that place for the last year for a number of reasons. They have our youngest daughter, our youngest granddaughter, rather, belongs to them. And... um, she just turned three, for which we're all grateful because that means the terrible twos are over, hopefully. Because for a while there, I wasn't sure if she was going to make it to three because it was, you know, it was pretty bad. It was getting, it was getting that bad. And um, she's becoming much, much sweeter, a sweeter child to have around. And recently, she received a box of, a box of um, dresses from my other daughter, her aunt, because she has two older girls beautiful dresses like that had, you know, been worn for wedding or variety of things. And so she's just three. So she's opening this box and she's every dress she takes out. She says, Oh my gosh, I'm a princess. And my daughter says, She takes the next one out, says the same thing over and over again. So it was shortly after that, one day my daughter was picking her up from daycare, and she was able to do her own seatbelt now. So my daughter says to her, good job, honey, good job, Willa, you're getting your seatbelt. She goes, Mom, could you say good job, princess? (laughs) All right, thrown in there. Got to have a grandchild story, right, once in a while. So how do we keep up our Faith in the face of losses of many kinds and grief. There have been many, many people that have gone through grief during this time of pandemic and grieving for a variety of reasons. We need to separate our courage from our conditions. We need to separate our courage from our conditions. My conditions, my circumstances may be outside of my control. I don't have control Over this pandemic. But my courage is never outside of my control. I have control over my courage. Or over my faith. And you say well you either have faith or you don't. How do you have control over your faith? You do have control over your faith. Because faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. If you don't have enough faith. Then you don't have enough of the word of God. So we need to keep more of the word of God. Coming into our lives. Because the the world saps it. And takes it away from us so quickly. We want God to stop the storm many times. And he wants us to focus in the storm. He wants us to fix our focus in the storm. Was Peter more able to walk on water in clear conditions when it wasn't storming? You see, God wants us to fix our focus, whether in a storm or we're out of a storm. Now, fear can, uh, storms can um, cause us to be drawn back to God because they can cause us to cry out to God. You know, sometimes we come to God with a mamby-pamby prayer, now I lay me down to sleep kind of prayer. When you're in the middle of a storm, your knees hit the floor, you slide across, hit the bed, God, where are you? You know, storms can cause us to come to God. Storms not only change the landscape, but they change us. When we go through a storm, we're changed. We're different than we were before. These men that were on that ship, they didn't come out the same. After Paul stands up and says, an angel of God spoke to me, and, you know, the ship's going down, but you're all going to be spared. They came out of that differently than they were. Storms change the landscape as well. I can recall... When we first moved to South Florida, speaking of hurricanes, we moved there six months after Hurricane Andrew, which was the big storm, and bought one of the first rebuilt homes in that area of Homestead, South Miami. And... um, People would comment for years after that talk. It was before Andrew, after Andrew. That had changed them. That had changed their perspective, life before and life after. And it changed the landscape, literally, when a hurricane came through and all the trees were down, the street signs were down, and they couldn't, and certain homes were down. It, the landscape looked differently. They were like, We're lost. We don't even know how to get across from here to here because the landscape looks so much different than it had before. Storms change us. They change our perspective. You go through a storm of, with your health, and you come out different on the other side. You go through a storm of losing a loved one, and you come out different. You're different after that. In a storm, we have to fix our thoughts And we have to have a plan to deal with those negative thoughts and emotions, that fear, that that anxiety that the enemy would want us want to take control of us and and cause us to be ruined through. You know, people will respond in You've heard it said before in different ways when they go through a storm. And two people can go through the same situation. One can become bitter and turn away from God. Another can become bitter, better, and stronger and closer to God. It all depends on where we fix our focus. We fix our focus. And we take thought every cap we take captive every thought, rather, into obedience of Christ. Second Corinthians 10 and 5 says. That we demolish strongholds and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And in order to do that, we have to have some knowledge of God. That's why it's important to be in the word and to be in Bible study. And we take captive every thought to the obedience of Christ. In a storm, you have to have an anchor. And that anchor is the word of God. The enemy is a liar. He's the father of lies. And he will be exposed by truth. You can expose his lies in your life by speaking the truth. Jesus said, I am truth. And of course, we need his presence with us. There's storms of many kinds: personal storms, family storms, churches go through storms. <laughs> Could camp there a while and tell you some stories, but you know. We don't have six weeks. Mm -hmm. Communities go through storms. When a tornado hits, it's a community event. There are national storms. Nations go through storms. And of course, we've experienced a global storm, which apparently hadn't really happened to that extent in the last 100 years. Hmm. Storms of many kinds. No matter what the storm is or at what level it is, we may grieve over the losses of it, the ships going down. But we will keep up our courage and our faith, and we will do that by being students of the Word of God. I want to remind you today that America is in a storm. There's an illustration used of... um, If you put a frog into a boiling pot of water, it will jump right back out. But if you put a frog into a pot and you turn the water up slowly, it will stay in there and die. And the enemy is good at turning the temperature up slowly so that people, you know, you've often heard it said, our parents or our grandparents would turn over in their grave if they could see what was happening today. You see how far We've come how far the enemy has taken our nation, what path it has taken down. But America is in a storm, and I believe that America is reaping what it has sown. America is in a storm due to secular humanism. And America has chosen to go down these paths that I'm going to mention. And these things are determining our future. America is rejecting its vows to God and profaning and removing his name. America is sinning boldly, calling evil good and good evil. America is officially permitting the shedding of innocent blood. America has created a fatherless generation. And America is living as if choices do not have consequences. I want you to know today. That we still need to take personal responsibility for our choices. But America is living as if choices do not have consequences. Moral choices. Financial choices. There will be consequences. And America has a distracted church. These are all the result of the doctrine of secular humanism. You say, what is, what is that? What are you talking about? Secular humanism... In 1961, the United States Supreme Court stated that it was a religion, just like any other. And you know what I believe that as secular humanism has grown stronger and stronger since that time, the, church of, the true Church of Jesus Christ will stand out more and more. I, I prophesied that many, many years ago more than. Close to 30 years ago, I said, as this world falls deeper and deeper into sin, the church of Jesus Christ, the true church, will stand out more and more. And we're going to be seeing that more and more in the days ahead. Secular humanism states, We find insufficient evidence for belief in the existence of the supernatural. It is either meaningless or irrelevant to the question of the survival of and fulfillment of the human race. In other words, we don't need God to survive or be fulfilled. Wow, as non-theists, we begin with humans, not God, nature, not deity, evolution versus creation. But in my Bible, I read, in the beginning, God, amen? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God created them male and female. So today, we take stock and we look around us and we see that this doctrine has permeated every area of our lives. That's why it's so important that we teach our children. That's why it's so important that we guard what enters their ear gates and their eye gates through the internet and and now we have so many more avenues where we need to be cautious and careful of what's entering into our own minds. Because we have, like that frog, become desensitized to evil because it is so prevalent in our society. We have a generation of youth that, combined with no moral absolutes and the catchword tolerance, is the last step in the downward spiral in our society. Have you ever wondered what the enemy's gonna come up with next? What next evil thing could come forth in our society? And then it comes, and you go, wow, there's more. He won't stop. He doesn't stop. It will continue. The evil will continue. No moral absolutes means everyone is his own boss. Everyone can live as he pleases. You see, I believe with all my heart that evolution was no small lie. It was when the carpet was torn out from under Christianity. Because if there's no God to be accountable to, then what does it matter how we live? If I have no God to stand before one day, what does it matter how we live? Where do we draw the line on which commandments that we still keep and we don't? How do we even know how to teach our young people? We we have a confused generation. If I go into Walmart and abort my baby, I'm up for murder. But if I go over here and have it taken out legally, that's okay. How does this make sense? What are the righteous to do? What are the righteous to do? The Bible has an answer for us. It has a solution. Because this nation that we're living in is not a surprise to God. The situation that we find ourselves in has not caught God, God off guard. It's crept up on us. And yes, we are grieving. It's grievous. It's grievous. Sometimes my heart aches and I hurt for the way our nation is and for God and his reputation. But we will continue to teach our absolutes. We will continue to teach the unchangeable standards from the Word of God. And we will pray, 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 pray. The question is, where are we headed, America? Can we, are we headed to revival or to judgment? Can we have both? Yes, of course we can. Jesus is coming. We need to be ready and not be that frog that's being lulled to sleep in the, in the water. Because the scripture says, when the foundations are being destroyed, what can the righteous do? But it's a rhetorical question because it goes on to say, well, God is in his heaven. God is on his throne. In other words, he's still in control. He hasn't been caught off guard. And when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Lord will raise up a standard against him. You are that standard. You do not go through storms in the same way as the world does because you are the body of Christ. You are the bride of Christ. When we go through a storm, the difference is we have an angel who comes, alongside, comes along beside us and says, do you know who you belong to? Don't be afraid. I'm with you. The ship may be going down. There may be some losses here, but you won't be lost. Not one of you will be lost. Everyone will be speared. You see, we have this supernatural God who's about to come on the scene in America in supernatural ways. Revival or judgment? It may be both. It may be going on at the same time. I don't know. But God knows how. God has a way. I love the scripture in Psalm 119 that says, It's time for you to act, O Lord, for they have made void thy law. And as I see more and more laws being made void and changing and evil being made to look good and good being made to look evil. I say, it's time for you to act, O Lord, for they have made void thy law. God, rend the heavens and come down. Do something, Lord. Show us your mighty power. Oh, my. And the Lord says, Don't be afraid in this storm that America's in and the storm that we're facing ahead. This moral storm, maybe even a financial storm, because choices do have consequences. He says, but I have raised you up for this very purpose, that I might show you my power and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. So let's stand up like a sore thumb. Let's stick out like a sore thumb. Let the true church of Jesus Christ ride out the storms, and go through the storms with supernatural manifestations on our behalf because we don't do it the same way the world does. Isaiah 46, I say, my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. I summon a man, a woman, a boy, a girl, a young person to fulfill my purpose. Many are the plans in a man's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. Now it is God who has made us. This very purpose and has given us the Spirit as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. Wow, the Holy Spirit in us is the deposit guaranteeing what is to come. Do you have the Holy Spirit living in you today? Come on, you have the Holy Spirit. Some of you are old enough to remember layaway, we would put things on layaway, right? You're laughing. We would go in and put some money down. Now that was mine. That was the deposit guaranteeing I was coming back to get it. Holy Spirit in you is the deposit, the Scripture says, guaranteeing what is to come. When Jesus comes again, he's coming for those who have Holy Spirit in them. That's the deposit guaranteeing what is to come. Jeremiah Fifty twenty. You are my war club, my weapon for battle. Battlefield Ministries. Verse: With you, I shatter nations. With you, I destroy kingdoms. My husband did tell you why we chose Battlefield Ministries for a name for our ministry, right? We wanted it to reflect our marriage. It's a battlefield. It's a battlefield, brother, not a recreation room. It's a fight and not a game. Run if you want to. Run if you will. But I came here to stay. We were married 40 years this year. And someone asked us, how do you do it? How do you stay married for 40 years? We just said, we're both too stubborn to leave. It's a battlefield. You are my war club, my weapon for battle. With you, I shatter nations. With you, I destroy kingdoms. And Psalm 138, 8. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Let's say that together. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Once again, the Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Amen. Let's stand up together this morning. If you're going through a personal storm of any kind, a storm at work, a storm in your family, any kind of storm situation, that you need some encouragement today, you need some prayer today, we would be happy to stand with you and encourage you today on an individual level. But as the corporate body of Christ today, we want to pray for the church of Jesus Christ in America, and we want to pray for America today because we're going to uh, continue to go through this storm, and the church of Jesus Christ is going to see the manifestations, the supernatural manifestations Of the Holy Spirit as we do Heavenly Father I thank you for the body of Christ I thank you for your bride we're not perfect we're not without spot or wrinkle the old hymn says but you love us dearly and I pray today that as this worship has risen to you in this place that it would be sweet to your ears that you would be honored and lifted up and glorified when the world around us is defaming and removing your name we exalt your name in this place today we lift up your name we say be glorified be magnified and lord today as we go through storms in our lives i pray that we will go through them being not being just driven along by our emotions. But we will say but now, even now, I know God can come in the midst of this situation, in this storm, he will send an angel if need be. He will send angelic manifestations, he will send protection. He will send direction and he will send provision. provision Provision, even in famine, your people, Lord, will have enough. Someone here today needs provision. I release provision in the name of Jesus. Whether that's through a job or just not making ends meet, I release provision over your people today. Supernatural provision be released this week, I pray. Speak faith, whoever you are, speak faith over your situation, even right now. Speak it out. Let your ears hear what your mouth is saying. There's a, there's a supernatural force that's released when we speak the word of God. Even not just reading it, but speaking it aloud, declaring it. If you have a, a storm going on in your life or you're praying for someone, speak it out loud. Declare the word of God. I shout. Sometimes when I get praying, I think the neighbors who live a little ways away are going to hear me. I'm like, enough. This is enough. We call forth the promises of God and we speak the word of God over the situations in the name of Jesus. You became born again by believing in your heart and speaking with your mouth, confessing your faith. There's a powerful force. There's a combination, heart and mouth combination. So speak the word of God. You will find it will make a difference in your life when you begin to declare it out loud. I'm sorry, somebody just needs to hear that today. Post it. Take the word of God. What the word of God has to say about your problem because it has a solution to every problem. Take it, write it out, post it, put it on your mirror, put it on your fridge, put it in your car, wherever you're going, and speak it over and over until you see the manifestation come forth. And it will come forth. So I pray for provision today over your people, over the body. We receive it by faith as we receive everything from you, Lord, by faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. If you don't have enough, Go to the Word because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I've spoken are spirit and they are life. It's the Word of God that's going to sustain us through the storm. We need to fix our focus on the Word. Fix our focus on the Word. Fix our focus through worship. When we worship like we did here today, we're fixing our focus on God, not the storm. We're taking it off the storm, putting it on him, the God who can bring us through the storm. And then we hear from him and he speaks and he says, don't be afraid. We're going through. We're going through the storm. The landscape's not going to look the same when we get through. But we're going through. Maybe we need some of our landscapes to look differently. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. I thank you today for your love for us and your continual provision over us. I pray for your church in America today, Lord. That we would not be distracted, but we would fix our focus. You're calling us, Lord, even through a pandemic, to focus more and more on you. And not on the things of the world that are temporary. The things that are seen are temporary. The things that are unseen are eternal. Help us to focus, to fix our focus. And Lord, we pray for America today. We ask, oh God, for Your mercy to be over us. Have mercy, I pray. Have mercy, I pray. Have mercy. Don't give us what we deserve. Have mercy, Lord. And God, I call forth the intercessors all across America today, from the north to the south, the east to the west. Raise them up, I pray. In every town, every community, intercessors on the wall, that when you look on our land, you won't have to destroy it but you can have mercy. If you're an intercessor, now is the time. Take your your place. Don't take it lightly. We can all pray, and we all need to pray. Some people are called to be intercessors. Have the time, the season that they're in in life. Don't take it lightly. It's more important now than ever. So have mercy, O God, on our nation, I pray, and send revival. Send a turning from sin and a turning to you, O God. Even in the midst of the evil, you will come with supernatural revelations and interventions. And we look forward to it. We look forward to it. Because it's time for you to act. For they have made void thy law. Touch your church and bless America, we pray in the mighty name of Jesus.